Hey folks, it's Carl with Sterling Health and Fitness. Thanks for tuning in. So we're coming at you today from New York City, and we're in Manhattan, where we're recording the first episode of our weekly upcoming podcast entitled Ask the Expert. This is a series where we reach out to top-notch experts in the areas of nutrition, fitness, health, and wellness. And we get quality information that we can give to you and share with you so that you can implement it into your lives and realize uh, better results in your own goals for health, fitness, and overall wellness. So today, I'm highly honored to have Brent Brookbush, Dr. Brent Brookbush with me. And um, I appreciate so much that you're taking the time to be with me today, Brent. Thank you for the opportunity. He is my personal training guru. He is my mentor and my friend. And um, I've attended a few of his workshops, and they've been fantastic. I've learned more from this man than from anybody pertaining to the business that I do here, personal training. So, uh, just to give a little bit of a, a background here about Brent, he is a doctor of physical therapy. He is the founder and president of the Brookbush Institute of Human Movement Science, correct? Correct. He is a master trainer for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. and. Uh, He's also an author of my personal favorite fitness book called Fitness or Fiction. And uh, we'll go back over and talk about more of those things in a minute here, but thanks again for being here. Of course. Uh, of course. Well, actually, you're here since this is my office. That's true. I'm here in his <laughs> office, but he's here with giving his time to me. To happily, happily, happily. So, uh, Brent, so you're, you're a doctor of physical therapy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a good game. This is fantastic. And uh, I know you've been doing a lot of NASM workshops for many years. I've been to, uh, I think we met originally at the CES. Okay. And then we met at um, PES. And then you're busy with your own institute. And if I have it correct, are you doing some online education also? Yeah, so the Brookbush Institute is definitely my passion to try to provide a better education model. Yep. Um, the goal is just to develop student-centered learning platforms to get that information across in a, in a, a way that's more enjoyable for the student, right? So that's great. The online thing kind of comes out of the fact that more and more people seem to want education that way. Yeah. You know, I love to do live workshops, I love to be in front of people, but the truth of the matter is, is that it takes time out of people's day, it's hard for them to get to one location often. Sure. Uh, so online, kind of being able to finish as you want, is kind of something yeah. people keep asking for, so we're pushing in that direction for sure. That's great, and I may, I may be checking out some of those soon myself. Although those live workshops are the best, I love them. Um, but um, you know, I may be checking out some online stuff. And uh, we have to talk about your book, Fitness or Fiction. I love this book. You know, I love it. I use it all the time. I'm referring to it constantly, and I'm even bringing clients over. Some of them have bought it. Others, I just bring them over and say, no, 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 that myth. He, he takes dozens of myths in this book and he just busts them. There are things that you hear about in the you know gym talk or in the training world that are um, the myths. He sets us straight on that. So you'll see, scrolling across the screen here, you're gonna see a link. I personally think everybody should click the link, go and buy the book, own it, and read it and refer to it often, because it is awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So what we're going to do today, we had a little talk beforehand, 
about some subject matter a few days ago. And, uh, you know, I, I have some myths that I hear a lot in my training up at Syracuse University. And, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You hear these myths too. You wrote the book about it. Um, I thought, you know, it might be appropriate to talk about some of these myths. Sure. And you can help us set the record straight. Sure. All right. So, Brent. I mean, my doctor must know a lot about nutrition, right? So I, I should probably listen to everything my doctor says about nutrition. Um, should you listen to what your primary care physician says about your nutrition? Possibly. Chances are that your primary care physician knows more than the average individual, but they only take a couple of nutrition courses in school. That's very different from, let's say, a nutritionist who spends their entire post or graduate education working on nutrition courses. Right. So the big problem I had is not necessarily with the doctors giving like general nutrition advice, like you know, you need to lose a couple pounds, like you probably want to eat a little less. That's general nutrition stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So we have these doctors come out and they try to revolutionize yeah. people with like no, carbs are bad or you should eat more kale or you know like they get on these supplement yeah. tunnels like yeah. where that's all they want to talk about. That gets a little dangerous because I think they don't have the background right. to really justify what they're saying. And of course, some of these things we found are not the healthiest. Like, yeah. no carbs is not necessarily the best way to go. Right, right. As a matter of fact, speaking of no carbs, um, I have something here about myths about carbs. And by the way, we're not trying to bash the medical community by any means. I mean, my son is in med school. I want him to do well. He, he wants to help people. Um, I think the overall... Um, population of physicians wants to help people, but um, I know my own personal physician said he only took one or two nutrition classes in school. Right. He doesn't remember because it was a while ago, but it wasn't a lot. Right. You know? right. And so, um, myths about carbs, I mean, carbs are my enemy. Aren't they evil and bad for me? Not exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And I hear this a lot at the gym. I hear this a lot when I'm consulting people. And as a nutrition major at SU, this drives me crazy when people say carbs are evil. I, can, I had a person come to me recently. I'm never eating carbs again. They are evil. So, man, I, you know, what do you tell people? How do you explain um, the carb, the low carb myth, and how do you bust that? Well, if you get so uh, some of these low carb diets work for a few reasons. One, they get somebody paying attention to their diet, which if you get somebody paying attention to their diet, chances are they'll start losing weight. Mm -hmm. um, they get people watching what they eat in the sense of they start to try to make better choices. Because mm -hmm. uh, some of these carbohydrate foods are also our foods that are really low nutrient density. They're yeah. the ones that are really, really high calorie for volume. So those are good things. The bad thing is, is the other things that are carbs are things like potatoes, and whole wheat pasta and vegetables and fruits, all of these things are carb sources, but also have all these nutrients that we need and we should probably be eating a lot more. So exactly. it doesn't really pan out. It doesn't actually lead to a great amount of weight loss. Pounds will come off the scale, but initially those pounds coming off the scale actually have to do with the change in your water balance because you stop storing as many carbs, but it's right. not long-term fat loss. Right, right. I appreciate you setting us straight on that because uh, that's one of those ones that comes back to bite people a lot of times when they, especially when they start to eat carbs again, watch out. And all this usually end up heavier than they were in the beginning. Um, you know, another thing I, I, 
I love to talk about, but I want to hear you talk about is spot reduction. Yeah. See, so. I got this little thing going on right here, you see? And I, I want to target my, my lower abs. Yeah, so at that whole, the whole thing, this is another one of those like terrible marketing spins that we just, we need to get away from because it causes people to focus on the wrong thing. So fat comes off in some, we think possibly genetically predisposed manner. <coughs> we don't actually have control over where fat comes off. We can control our body fat up or down, um, and that's kind of where it stops. When we do strengthening work, right, with weights or bands or whatever we're using, we're actually not even using fat as a primary source of energy. We're using sugar. Yeah, exactly. Right? Glycogen. Exactly. So what we want to do to get fat is create a caloric density over time. You know, the fat right here isn't going to get burned by the muscle underneath it. They're not even attached to one another. They don't really know each other exists. Right. right. So you kind of got to get away from that. Then you look at like the spotting exercises, right? The spot reducing yeah. exercises. Yeah. And they're usually such small, low calorie burning exercises. Yeah that you've almost defeated the purpose, right? What you need to do is burn a lot of calories to take fat off, and instead you're using these tiny little exercises that don't burn any calories. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Speaking of burning calories, so we're gonna get to that in a minute. I just almost overlooked something here. So if I do ab workouts every single day for hours, I'm gonna get the six pack, right? Kind of goes back to our spot reducing this. So if you do your ab workouts, it's not going to burn the fat in your abs. Um, generally, core workouts don't burn a whole lot of calories when we compare them to like bigger muscle groups, like doing like leg exercises right. or big upper body exercises or cardio, which would be probably the most efficient right. of that exercise to burn calories. And then you also have to give muscles a chance to heal too, right? So if you're working your core every day. You're not really going to increase your performance over time because all you're doing is beating your core down, beating your core down, beating your core down, beating your core down, and not giving a chance to adapt and grow and come back stronger. You know, I notice um, once in a while I'll wear a heart rate monitor just for fun while I'm lifting, you know, maybe doing squats or whatever I'm doing. And I'll tell you, it's amazing to me, and, and I consider myself fairly fit cardio wise. I do pretty well, but my heart rate jacks during squats or leg presses or anything like that. It's amazing. Uh, so I can't imagine that it's not burning more calories than doing some sit-ups and crunches and all that. Sure. Yeah. Sure, I think, yeah, squats is a great exercise. You know, anything that uses your whole body in yeah. a huge compound fashion is going to burn a lot of calories. We do have to be careful that we don't try to relate that back to this, the calories that cardio burns. Because obviously the rest you need before you can do another set of squats. True. Offsets where you could have done on the cardio equipment. But if we're talking about just what you should be doing during a resistance training program, yeah, do some core work because you need to keep your pelvis and low back strong. But then pulling, pushing, yeah. squatting, lunges, big movements that burn a lot of calories, just a lot of muscle are going to get us much bigger increases over time. That's a good point. I appreciate that. Speaking of burning muscle, so if I do too much cardio, I'm gonna lose muscle, right? Yeah, no. Um, you have I just to, do, to hear him say that. I have to, you have to, to do, do a lot of cardio. Like it, yeah. it comes into like the only time you see like protein being used because that's really what we're talking about, right? So muscles are built protein, right? We're talking about how much protein is getting used as a fuel source during your cardiovascular activity. Mm -hmm. 
um, and maybe being pulled from your muscles so that maybe we shrink your muscles. You don't really start using protein as a fuel source until you get into some pretty ridiculous conditions. Like these people yeah. do like back-to-back -back marathons and stuff like that. Right. That gets a little crazy. Other than that, your body wants to use sugar. After sugar, it wants to use fat. You could do cardio for an hour every day, and providing that you're doing your resistance training and supporting your workouts with good nutrition, your body doesn't want to burn your muscles. You can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and do more and more and more cardio. And if you look at bodybuilders, that's exactly what they do, right? Before they go on, on uh, stage, they do lots of cardio, and they're still huge. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because there, there's um, concern, obviously, that's why it's a myth, is if you do too much cardio, you're going to burn and lose muscle mass. Um, my question was actually, in my own mind, you know, how far do you have to go with that to start to burn protein? And it sounds like it's a lot. So most of us will never fall into that category. Yeah, no. So we really don't have to worry about it. No. No, it'd be hours. Good. Hours. Good. All right. And so, the last myth I have on here that I want to talk about, something I hear a lot where I'm at, I don't know if you hear much about this here. Let's do some fast walking or low-intensity low cardio because the book says, not your book, most books, a lot of books say you burn more fat during low-intensity cardio. And I know I could chime in on this, but I'd rather hear what you have to say on this. Yeah, so I that's how you state it in your book, too. It yeah, just doesn't right. make any sense, right? If you think about it, you're going, you will burn more fat if you work less. Exactly. Nobody, nobody <laughs> believes that. Like, nobody knows, everybody sense. knows that internally, right? Right. But then they see this machine that says, well, if I do lower intensity, I can get more fat burn. And what they're talking about, it's a little technical, has to do with the fact that at lower intensities, your body likes to use fat as a fuel source. Mm -hmm. Primarily because fat is a harder thing to access. Mm -hmm. It's a much longer process, far more efficient, but slower at generating fuel. Sugar, on the other hand, very, very short yeah. process, yeah. creates a lot of right energy there. really fast. Right. So it doesn't, the problem is, is it doesn't matter when it comes to your weight loss goal. So yes, you burn more fat as a fuel source of so a percentage. Percentage of calories. Percentage of calories. Enjoy your carb fat right. during a lower intensity. However, you burn more calories overall, higher intensity. Right, so and including more fat calories. Exactly. What it really comes down to is even if you burn all sugar during a cardiovascular activity, it's all about creating that caloric deficit. Right. So it's like if you burned 900 calories of all sugar during your workout, and that created a 900 calorie deficit throughout your day, well, where do you think you're going to get the calories from? Exactly. Your body's going to take them from your fat stores because that's that's your battery. You know, I have that statement in my book, and I, I don't remember who I learned the statement from, but you, if you look in the mirror and you see more stored energy than you'd like, find a way to use it. That's, yeah, right. don't be active. Like, you just got to sit and do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so all you need to worry about when you do your cardio is create the biggest deficit you can. Don't worry about what exercise physiologists worry about. What we worry about in high-end performance, which is the fuel mixture that's being used and right. what effect that has. That has that's, that's totally over here. 
But most of us don't fall into that category. Most so. of us don't, you know. I don't, right? Yeah. Me neither. So do you have any myths that are your favorites that you'd like to deliver a message about to, uh, to the listeners? Um, any, or any words of wisdom to leave them with? Um, you know, I think the book harps on a couple things that are really important. The whole book as a whole was written as my attempt to write, and this is going to sound kind of technical, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of break it down. It was my attempt at writing an evidence-based text for the consumer. That sounds very academic, but the whole idea behind evidence-based is that we have research to support what we're going forward with, and not just like anecdotal, oh, it made me big, you yeah. know, it made her lose weight. But right. That stuff doesn't usually work out to be true. It, like there's too many other variables in that person's life for us to figure out exactly how that person got what they got. Right. So I tried to write this research-based book and then make sure that it was written in a language that everybody could read. And luckily at that time, I was working a lot with the writers over at Shape Magazine. We do a great job at least speaking to the public. Right? Right. It's one of the biggest circulars in the world and it's a fitness magazine. Yeah. Not just, yeah. not, they are the biggest fitness magazine. Right. They're one of the biggest circulars in the world. Oh, right. right. Okay. That's so, right. at least in the United States. So, I tried to kind of bring all that together. I think moving forward, people need to make sure that the person they're getting the information from is a well-intended, research-based individual and not just like a product manufacturer or a supplement manufacturer. You've got to be careful yeah. with that stuff. I'm not saying it's all bad. Yeah. But some of it's definitely bad. Definitely, yeah. And then I would say focus on the big picture mm -hmm. and stay away from the details. You need to eat less, move more. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to move more, you're probably only going to do that if you find movements you enjoy doing. The good point. So those, yeah. are the, those are the big picture stuff. The rest yeah. of it, forget about it. Like, yeah. all right, you, I, I, got my, I got smaller plates. I found an activity I enjoy. Great. I've been doing that for three or four weeks. Now you can add in the details. Right. Otherwise, you just well, you're focusing on minutia. And I like the uh, the whole evidence-based idea because the bibliography <coughs> in your book is not a third of the book. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of bibliography at the end of that book. But you know, you're in fact, I have the uh, Kindle version, so I can just click on something, bang, and go right to the source, which is pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways. That wraps it up for this podcast. Cool. I really appreciate you being here, my friend. I hope you'll do that. We'll do this again. And um, we'll do it again for sure. So you've seen the uh, website scrolling across the bottom of the screen to his institute and to the uh, to Amazon to buy his book. And so uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. But I want to thank you again for being here. Of course. All right. And we'll see you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.